0: Hello, listeners. This is your host, Farron, jumping in with a quick note about this episode where we discuss the movie Tron. As with our last episode, 2010, we recorded over Skype. Unfortunately, we experienced some technical difficulties. Uh, yeah, thanks, bit. Anyway, I set Skype to record, which it actually does very well, and everything was running perfectly. <sighs> Fine. Heather had some connectivity issues. Also, a cat. Okay, really, Bit, we're going to do this with you making snide remarks? Can you just not? As I said, we had some connectivity issues, but the recording was going just fine, and... Are you going to interrupt? Thank you. The discussion was moving along, but then, one and a half hours into the recording, we experienced a technical glitch. I experienced a technical glitch. I was using a cell phone on a secondary Skype account, pointed at my television so we could all see the minute-by-minute breakdown of the movie for my PlayStation 3. And the cell phone battery died. Because I forgot to plug in the phone. I really just hate you. Anyway, so I did some fiddling, spent way too long figuring out what the problem was... And we restarted the call. Unfortunately, Skype thought we'd started a new call, which was not recorded. It kept on recording that first call, despite the fact that no one was actually connected to it. So the second F of our recording was all dead air. Two days later, we recorded from the point where the problem started, which is when the characters were at the Energy Lake uh, drinking from their, their discs. And we just redid the second half of the conversation. If nothing else, we were more efficient and our discussion was more refined. Okay, that's it. We're done. The audience can figure the rest of this out on their own. I just... Come here! I'm gonna de-res you! And welcome to We Came From The 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies we thought were cool. I'm your host, Farron, and I'm joined remotely via Skype by Heather. Hello. And Adam. Hey, everybody. Let's go to the net. Greetings, programs. Ah, <laughs> oh, that would have been better. Yeah, I should, start, I should start with that one. Hey, greetings, programs, and welcome to... Yeah, <laughs> um, So yeah, uh, so this is our second Skype episode. The first one uh, seems to have gone okay. Uh, The sound was okay. I mean, we had a little bit of Optimus Primey sound going on once in a while, but overall it's okay. And, you know, I certainly hope we'll get back to normal in-person recordings at some point when, you know, there isn't a pandemic. But (laughs) normal recordings, he says. Normal, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In the meantime, of course, we hope all our listeners are staying safe and not drinking bleach and, uh, you know, all that. You guys haven't, been drinking bleach have you i mean no more than usual oh well thank god <laughs> you've got bleach there is that what... <laughs> Well well this is an here. audio
1: medium what are
0: you showing us <laughs> i think
1: that was a beer was that a beer are you drinking not yet
2: <laughs> that comes That's at a, hour yeah. three yeah.
0: Uh, i am
1: yeah it's
2: well, uh, uh the... i've got i've got uh this much more water and then i will be
1: hey
0: perfect it's going to be a great episode then yeah i'm on i'm on monster you guys are on booze it's going to be uh it's going to be an episode okay (laughs) so we are doing tron and its sequel tron legacy despite the fact that tron legacy is just a few decades out of our normal purview but i figure we're probably going to wind up talking about it anyway so at that point we might as well just formally wrap it into the episode right yeah so the original tron Came out on the 9th of July, 1982. It was directed by Steven Lisberger. It was written by Steven Lisberger and Bonnie McBird. And IMDb lists Charles S. Haas as uncredited, which tells me that he was a script doctor. Oh, okay. Uh, the Writers Guild of America rules say that if you're brought in as a script doctor, which is exactly what it sounds like, just to sort of clean things up, you don't get credit, mm-hmm. which is why, for instance, uh, you ever see the movie Crimson Tide with Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman? No. Super awesome uh, movie about submarines. Uh, Quentin Tarantino did all the dialogue, but because he was like the sixth or something writer to contribute to it, Writers Guild of America rules say he's a script doctor, so he doesn't get credit. So I'm guessing that's what Charles Haas was. It stars Jeff Bridges, Bruce Boxleitner, David Warner, and Cindy Morgan, and it was rated PG. It cost 17 million bucks, which was kind of a shocker to me. I mean... 15 million is our standard
3: mm.
0: and look how much like everything's a special effects shot yeah you know and it turns out they filmed the entire thing in 65 millimeter which really? is what they use like lawrence array of arabia and dr mm. Zhivago. like it's super expensive to film on that and that's what they filmed it all in so hmm. like i'm not sure how they pulled this off and These guys, i mean these, these actors must have worked for peanuts and buttons or something
1: well, I was going to um, ask, where did this fall in Jeff Bridges' career? Like, was this
0: when he was still early on or? I don't know. It was fairly early on, but he's been working since I think the 70s. Okay. I mean, he did a John Carpenter movie afterwards called Starman, which is actually pretty good with Karen Allen, of course, plays Marion in Raiders of the Lost Ark. But I think he's one of these guys. He's sort of been there. He's like Kurt Russell. He's been there forever. Um Okay. And then Tron Legacy premiered on the 17th of December, 2010. And it was directed by Joseph Kaczynski. And it's interesting because Steven Lisberger and Joseph Kaczynski had one thing in common. This was the first movie they ever did. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was written by, and here's where you know things went off the rails. It's got the story by Edward Kitsis, Adam Horowitz, Brian Klugman, and Lee Sternthal.
2: No. Yeah.
1: Sorry, Heather, would you care to remind us of our golden rule? Well, one of our golden rules
2: quality of the film is inversely proportional with the number of writers
0: there we yeah, go <laughs> yeah exactly the screenplay was by edward kitsis and adam horowitz it also stars jeff bridges bruce Boxleitner, garrett hedlund olivia wilde michael sheen and james frayne now i wouldn't go that normally that deep james frayne pra- played that creepy guy jarvis or the bald-headed dude yep and the only reason i note that is because he played sarek in star trek discovery it, huh. i was shocked to see that but yeah that's uh that's quite the change but i mean good for him it was also rated pg it was made on a budget of 170 million dollars <laughs>
1: <laughs> explains why it looks better
0: yeah and um <laughs> it made 400 million and disney considers it a failure huh it made what's, uh, yeah <laughs>
1: what's their profit margin to consider it a success
0: I don't know, but apparently like, I mean, obviously if you saw, I mean, you watched legacy, so you know, it was clearly set up for a third movie. Yes. That's why they had Killian Murphy in there as Dillinger's son. And I mean, there's so much in there. That's clearly meant to be the third one. Um, And according to Bruce Boxleitner, they killed Tron three in 2015. And I remember they had production offices open in Vancouver. They were getting ready to do the pre-production on this and Boxleitner. said they killed it. Because do you remember a movie called Tomorrowland with uh, George Clooney? Did you guys ever hear of it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the name rings yeah. a
0: bell. And and that is exactly the problem. They spent 190 million dollars on that movie, and the movie grossed 209 million dollars. Hmm. And Disney panicked because that that was just after they had coughed up, you know, a, a, a small ransom for. I think it was, what did they was they bought Marvel first or Lucasfilm first I forgot they bought but, Lucasfilm first I think yeah and so I think they just they decided it wasn't worth it and so Tron 3 just they put a bullet in it um, interesting yeah this, Hedlund was talking about you know he was getting ready to head up there to Vancouver and Boxleitner was all pumped and yeah it just it, it died like Tron 3 is one of these movies it's just it's it ain't ever coming back so which is kind of a bummer
1: that is kind of a bummer I feel like They had a good setup for a third movie at the end of Legacy.
0: Yeah, exactly. I saw the original Tron in theaters. I was lucky. Yeah, I got to see that at a birthday party, and it was for like one of the kids of my father's office manager. And I didn't like the kid, but my parents (laughs) made me go. So whatever. (laughs) But it was totally worth it. I got to see Tron, and that is a hell of a movie when you're, you know, seven years old to see on the big screen. Absolutely, and I was blown away by it. But Heather, do you remember when you saw it? Oh,
2: yeah, it's a uh, it's another one my dad took us to in this theater.
0: Okay, what'd you think of it?
2: Oh, I was it was amazing. Um, like to this day, if it's on, I watch. it.
0: So you you're really digging it. You like the film?
2: Yeah, like well, I mean, there's not a lot of story or anything, but the the effects and stuff. When I was ten, sure. I wrote my first movie when I was seven. So, yeah. But you're 10, and you go see this, this movie with the effects, and I uh, admittedly super achieve the effects, but still, it just blew my mind. I, I didn't understand the plot at all when I was a kid.
0: So Adam, you had never seen these before?
1: No, this was the first time that I've watched either of the Tron movies.
0: What'd you think? Oh, you know
1: what? When I was watching these movie, the first movie at least, I said to myself, Wow, if I saw this when I was ten years old and still super like really wrapped with everything science fiction, then I would have absolutely fallen in love with this series.
3: Oh
0: yeah. Um but I, I hear a butt well, in there. <laughs> there's definitely
1: a butt. Um there's a large butt. There's it was difficult for me to watch um this time at this point in history And don't get me wrong it's not because like it, not because of the cheese or not because of the campiness it was more because of just the visuals are so grating in the uh in the net
0: in the first one you mean
1: yes in the first one yeah the visuals are difficult for me to watch i'm not somebody who enjoys the vaporwave aesthetic to begin with <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's funny because i thought that the uh, the effects because they're so weird I thought they did it on black screen. That's why everything has that dark look. Yeah. They did everything on black screen and everything you see, like all the sets are black with white lines. So they don't fall down steps. Right. Because otherwise there's no depth perception. Right. Sure. Um, I think these effects hold up exceptionally well because they sort of, they're kind of like out of time. Like they weren't trying to be, I mean, you can tell these guys have like cardboard on their head. Um, but
1: it's not even that it's like and i can appreciate the incredible amount of work the day mm -hmm. that this premiered in 82 july 9th people had to have their minds absolutely blown out of their skulls by the visuals they're incredible they're nothing that had been seen before on cinema but contrasting that with today it's very bright it's super oversaturated and don't get me wrong i appreciate that aesthetic mm-hmm. because it's yeah. jarring and it's meant to be jarring to uh kevin flynn as well mm-hmm. it's this strange terrifying world and it is incredibly strange especially to the viewer it really sets you back a step
3: yeah
0: yeah i guess a, there's a lot of um nostalgia covered glasses for heather and i
1: i i totally get that
0: i recognize like wow this is kind of cheesy looking but some of it like the recognizers—they're ho- yeah. they, they look cool, and the light cycle I think is amazing. Sure, yeah, um, but you never get the impression that you're in a 3D space. It's it, it's not like in Tron Legacy. Like comparison, the light cycles mm-hmm. in the first light cycle, it looks like it's animated, whereas in Tron Legacy, it looks like he could you know the actor could at some point reach out and grab one of those cycles. Yeah, that's what 30 years of uh, of uh, yeah. improvements will do. And I
1: was I was going to say I think that I think that Tron would have been a better movie had it been shot fifteen years later, but it wouldn't have worked fifteen years later.
0: No, no, no. I don't think so. But it's hard to tell. Yeah, uh, it's funny because I watched it twice yesterday, or one and a half times. I first tried to watch it with the director's commentary, and that was a soul crushing experience <laughs> because these guys—it was all the it was the technical directors and the actual director—and all they talked about was the technical side of how they made this. Okay, And the impression I kept getting was that this was some guy who said, hey, let's do a picture about video games. The kids will love it. Okay, let's come up with a story. As opposed to, here's a story I'd like to tell, and let's find an interesting way to tell it. You know, like it was a, I I really felt this time around that it was an exercise in special effects and not in storytelling. Yeah. There isn't a human character in the lot. No, there's no, there's no change in any of the characters.
1: Everyone's a stagnant, flat character. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could argue that there's a little bit of a change for Flynn. Yeah. um, But. Because he he learns to be selfless.
0: (laughs) Eh, eh. Sort of.
1: (laughs) Sort of.
2: Yeah, If if it does, he.
1: He's still the only one stepping out of the helicopter in the last scene of the film. True.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, Yeah, I guess no one really does. Go anywhere, and even in the second film, I mean, all of the changes to to Kevin Flynn happen before we meet him.
1: Yeah, it's it's off screen.
0: You know, it's
1: it's uh, somebody walking off camera and fixing the problem without us seeing it.
0: Well, yeah, but like by the time we meet him, he's actually like he's had like two shifts. First, he has the shift to like almost this megalomaniac now that he's in charge of NCOM, You know, making that creepy ass speech. You know, our future is in there. Yeah. And then when we finally encounter him in like on the grid he's this zen dude who's learned the error of his ways and what it's cost him yeah absolutely
2: yeah a lot of time to think about it yeah yeah well you said that
0: hours in the grid
1: are minutes in real life and it's been 20 years in real life or 30 years almost 30 19, years in real life.
0: 1989 99 9 it's been 21 years yeah that movie got there were so many little details. They just, they blew and uh, and we'll have to get to that when we get to it, but it drove me nuts. Some of the inconsistencies, like someone who didn't take notes when they watched the first film before writing the second one. Yeah. But this is what happens when you have, well, when you bump into Heather's golden rule about (laughs) too many, too many writers.
1: I think that his character in the, in the second, and I suppose we could probably actually, never mind. You know what? We'll get to that when we get to the second. Okay. Fair
0: enough. Yeah. Is there anything that sticks out to you guys? About the first film, while we're sort of there, Heather,
2: the effects, hundred percent. The computer world is what does it for me.
3: Okay,
1: Adam. This play, this movie plays out exactly the way a video game from the '80s plays. Especially if you take Uh, into I would have
0: loved to play that video game.
1: Well, sure, (laughs) sure, sure, but like obviously with better graphics. (laughs) But I mean, like if you if you just take into context, like all right um you probably don't have an instruction manual even if you do it's not going to be the best away you go figure it out and that's kind of this movie in a nutshell is away we go figure it out
0: yeah uh he oh. hasn't played a lot of video games from the 80s has he heather <laughs> well, they came with kick-ass just... manuals dude in the 80s it was all manual because there was no game
1: yeah 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 no i uh I guess my my perspective is skewed because most of my '80s gaming has been done by emulator or with old console that I don't have the control, uh, that I don't have the manual for anymore.
0: Video games in the '80s sometimes had these elaborate manuals with all sorts of art mm-hmm. because you had to use your imagination because there was no game, you know,
2: uh, <laughs> because you were a pixel.
0: Yeah, no. pretty much, pretty much. If you ever have a chance to see the book "The Art of Atari," mm-hmm. it is so worth it. the The art that the Atari 2600 boxes and manuals had was fabulous because the Atari 2600 graphics were not fabulous. Mm-hmm. Oh,
3: come
0: on. Okay. Hey, an they adventure, were too- you were a block. I guess yeah.
1: I'm, I'm kind of thinking of like, um, like early adventure games too. Like, text. well, yeah. Text adventures and even, even, uh, GUIs and like, um, oh, uh, Sierra's a- AGI engine. Where it just like plops you down. Manual's got some story and some explanation, and away you go. It's it's this bizarre ride in somebody else's mind. Like I need yeah. to slide the paper under the door to push the pencil through the keyhole to get the key to pull under the door with the paper.
2: Yeah, that's. Have you ever played Zork?
1: I have played Zork. <laughs> Zork's a bucket <laughs> of bullshit.
2: I love it. <laughs> it starts. It starts with a cursor. What do you do? Yeah. It's just there yeah. Blinking at you. Yeah.
1: I I definitely think that it's got a lot of appeal to that style of game where it actually puts that onus back on the player. And I I do appreciate when that's still followed through into modern game. We're getting off onto a tangent here. Um, That's okay. (laughs) I I do appreciate when that's still brought into like modern styles of gaming where I'm not being led around by the crazy taxi arrow in the sky over my uh, HUD.
0: There was a great series of pictures someone did called If Super Mario Brothers Were Made on a Modern System. (laughs) And it's like this... Twenty-step tutorial about how to get the first ten feet of the game. Mm. Press A to jump. Hold down B. Like, and, and it, whereas Super Mario Brothers was just, here's the game. Go. Yeah. You know?
2: <laughs> You're expected to die four hundred million times.
0: Yeah. so it's funny when The Legend of Zelda came out in Japan, there was no instructions other than like the, the manual, the gold manual. Mm. But they found that American test audiences had trouble with it, so they added a guide on where to go first, you know, get the sword and then go to the first dungeon. And it walks you through the whole process.
2: I didn't get that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Here's your guy. Go.
0: Did you not get the? Did you get it? Like a new copy of it? Cause so. it came with a map. And on the back of the map was the tutorial, the guide oh, on how to get. To-
2: we stuck the map to the wall. We, we probably <laughs> saw <oversaw> it. <laughs> yeah.
0: There was a dot. There was a guide on the back. Oops. <laughs> I, I referred someone to that game and of course it was on an emulator and they didn't have any instructions and I get this angry call from him going what do I do I, I don't have any I don't have a sword I don't have anything what the hell do I do it's like dude did you not go into the cave in that first screen what cave the little black thing oh like it was just he was he was looking for a cave not a black square but you know yeah. whatever <laughs> here's um, your black hole <laughs> yeah so I gotta tell you the one thing that stuck out to me this time, and I've seen this movie dozens of times, so when I own it, I, I bought it the minute it came out on DVD. Actually, so I bought it twice. This movie was written by someone who had heard all of the computer terms and did not understand a single goddamn one of them. Yeah. This guy had, I swear to God, the, the script writers, is like they had a list of all these techie-sounding words like RAM and input, output, and, and the rest of it. <laughs> yes. had no idea what any of it meant. And wrote anyway. Yeah. It was hilarious. Some of my favorites. Oh, those are so painful though. It's I mean, it was just it was funny how badly they got it. Like, do you know why it's called Tron? You yeah, got the idea just, from Electron.
1: Yeah. Um like it's that then, simple. It was actually I think it's visual basic is the is the language, but there's actually a Tron command, it's trace on as tracking root commands, I think.
0: Yeah, but in his case, it was just, well, we just named him after Electron. Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess let's just sort of jump right into it. So, Tron, it's interesting. It's being, right off the bat, it says it's distributed by Buena Vista Distribution. Buena Vista is owned by Disney, but it's it was for the more uh, adult movies. Not like, you know, Chicka Chicka Bow Wow adult, but they're not cartoons. Right. A- and it's interesting. I didn't know this. This was before Splash. And at the time, you, you've seen Splash, right? Or at least know you know it. Splash? Heather, you That's know that something.
2: one, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. vaguely. Tom,
0: yeah. Okay. So it's a Tom Hanks, Daryl Hanna movie about a guy who finds and falls in love with a, a, a mermaid. And there's oh. lots, of, lots of making out and lots of references to lots of wild sex. And it's a Disney film. Yes, really. But is before it? that film.
1: Oh, that, is that the one where they had to edit it because they had the woman's butt? She was running into the ocean.
0: Yes, when they put it on Disney Plus, yeah. they extended her her hair down to cover her butt, <laughs> and it looks like they glued it there. because it's really bad because it's on Disney Plus. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but they were saying that again. Like the one of the few things I got out of the director's commentary is that at this time, Disney was having a lot of trouble getting serious actors to act in their films because Disney was dying. I mean this is what we this is the second movie we've done in what's called Disney's dark period. Heather and I did The Black Hole. Right. A Disney movie that ends in hell? Yes, really? And they had a lot of trouble, so a lot of these movies they they created this Buena Vista distribution company and they just they, they were sort of pushing these out the door almost like you didn't know it was Disney just to make it more interesting for distributors, which is kind of weird. But anyway, the movie jumps right in to a video game, and in this case, it's Light Cycles. Yes. You guys have all played some version of Light Cycles at some point, I assume. Oh yeah, I have. Yeah. It's like one of the easiest games in the universe to make.
1: It's and basically
0: Snake. I'm not sure what came first. No.
1: no? Snake versus Snake.
2: Well, yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> now, now you're there. <laughs> um, snake is just you killing yourself.
0: Yeah, True. Uh, i guess i missed that game Uh, (laughs) okay Uh, i play assassin's creed yeah you know we see them it's clear like someone like playing the game and it's really neat because they show the actual video game cabinet and it looks exactly the way the tron video game in our real world looks you are way too young to have encountered arcades in the 80s but that's the way the arcade machine looked Mm -hmm. And that was on purpose. They, uh, when they made Tron Arcade Games, they were designed to come out at the same time as the movie because, you know, marketing. Um, But then we, you know, then it sort of quickly, you know, we quickly get into this, you know, we sort of go behind the screen and we realize that there are like actual people or something riding these bikes and then the one guy gets killed and we realize that the winner is some weirdo named Sark played by David Warner. (laughs) Is he not like the most reliable actor in the universe for parts like this? I mean, this guy, he's been in star Trek at least twice. Okay. He has been in a zillion movies. He's one of these guys. He's just like the indispensable actor. He was in a, he was in a a movie called time after time about Jack the Ripper uh, going into the far future of 1978. Uh, Yeah. It's actually a good movie. Uh, he's pursued by H.G. Wells in his time machine, because obviously uh, <laughs> it's actually very it's actually a very good movie. Um, now, he, in Star Trek, he played uh, Chancellor Gowron. No, not Gowron. Um, what was the name of the Chancellor in Star Trek 6? Uh, Gorkon. Gorkon. Yeah. And then he played the Cardassian in Chains of Command, the next gen episode that's famous for There Are Four Lights, not Three. Oh, yeah. Kim. Yeah. Yeah. So, Kim Cardassian. I really hate you. I really hate you. <laughs> yes, there are the evil, lizard, the evil lizard aliens. And then there's the ones from Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> Aren't you glad you brought booze? And so Sark talks to some creepy voice, which, by the way, the Master Control Program was also David Warner. Yes. He played three roles in this. Sark, yeah, did. Uh, Dillinger, and Master Control Program. Because everyone is their own character.
1: And I was really impressed with that fact that they managed to spread one actor out. That really explains how they got $17 million out of this movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but everyone played their own avatar. Sure,
1: sure. But I mean, like, that was probably a decision they made. So, well, we've got these characters and they were created by these other characters.
0: Yeah. Why not? Yeah,
1: exactly. the two.
0: Yeah, so I mean, every character, all the all the main characters you see in this movie, we get to meet their real their real human counterparts. Even Ram, he's yes. the one who asks Alan for his popcorn. Mm-hmm. That's that's Ram. Uh, he must have been pissed that the only he only got one uh, only got one scene out of his uh, out of his uh, his Tron makeup, yeah. or his computer makeup. But uh, yeah, like it's you know we're sort of introduced to this computer world and everyone speaks in pseudo technical terms. Like who does he calculate? He is, I've been stuck here for five microseconds. Like, Oh really? You know, the, the art is different. They cheated a lot. I think by having a lot of cloth to hide things, like these guys, they all all have the cloth across them. But,
1: uh, I mean like that's particularly prominent on Flynn's character where his kind of sash really denotes him apart from everybody else. I think.
0: Yeah, but if you, in fact, if you look at oh. the scene we're looking at, you can see the little accounting program or whatever that oh, the, guy was.
2: The, yeah. the fat guy had it too.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of that, I think, is just they wanted to just change the way various characters look. There's actually a, a scene they cut from this where the female character, whose name I don't ever think I learned. uh. uh. Yeah, don't worry if you can't find it but there's a scene where she meets up with tron in her apartment and they have sex and she said i swear to god she says i'll be back in a minute i'm going to change into something more comfortable and she comes out in this crazy ass cloak like techno angel looking thing and you don't actually see them have sex because i mean it is a disney film but it was just weird shit it was just like super super weird but uh you know all these characters more or less look the same. Like all the bad guys are either the guards or they're the technical crew or they're Sark with this big cardboard helmet. Yeah. And all the blue characters are more or less the same. They're all video game warriors. Um, I feel bad for those characters. All the guys had to wear dancers belts. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I can, I can understand why given the outfits. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, for for our listeners who might not know, a, a dancer's belt is the male equivalent of a sports bra. It's to design, you know, it's there to stop the jiggly stuff from jiggling, and apparently they're wicked uncomfortable.
1: Um, from what I've heard, yeah, I mean, it's no um, no professional grade tuck for those of you who watch Drag Race, but uh, it's still not not pleasant. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like these these outfits that they're in are, are skin tight on everybody, and this isn't. Uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds in Green Lantern, where they had to, you know,
0: edit that for him. Yeah, I, uh, that's a movie I I don't think I ever made it through that one. But yeah, that's probably uh, for the best.
2: Oh, yeah, that's just as well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, he made he made fun of it himself. In, he uh, did. In, in Deadpool, Deadpool 2. Yeah. Whatever you do, don't make my costume green or animated. <laughs> oh,
1: no. In 2, he goes back and shoots Ryan Reynolds in the back of the head as he's writing the script for it. I missed that part. It's in the post-scene credits. He, uh, he oh. grabs the time travel thing and he goes back in time and Deadpool shoots Ryan Reynolds in the head as he finishes the Green Lantern script. And he goes, <laughs> you're welcome, Canada.
0: <laughs> yeah, that movie, I just... I love that guy. so good. I love Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> He's the only one who could have done that movie, really. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So and the next thing we see, and this is kind of cool because... I mean, I never did computer. I never worked computers in, in the early 1980s, but the feel of it is right that it's not like it's not a, everyone's used to windows, a graphic user interface, Yeah. which by the way was not invented by Microsoft. And it sure as shit wasn't invented by Apple. It was invented by Xerox. Apple stole from them and and windows, and Microsoft stole from them, but everything had to be typed in. Like you even referred to the old Sierra games. And before you could click and say, you know, like, click an object and then click on something on the screen you would say put key in lock you would type that
3: mm-hmm.
0: or walk left or and then say you die because it's king's quest yeah that's a different <laughs> that's a different story altogether but yeah um everything had to be typed and so we see someone typing into a computer and it's and it sort of goes back and forth between clue who initially i thought this clue would be the one from Tron legacy. I thought it's like, this is a yeah. bigger character who's been trapped in the grid all these years. And he's still bitter at, at, uh, at uh, Kevin Flynn for helping, you know, for making him commit bank fraud. But uh, this is just another clue in a tank. And it's, you realize it's Jeff Bridges talking to Jeff Bridges. Yeah. And I love like right off the bat, we realize like Kevin Flynn's kind of a scummy dude. Like this isn't like that time you fix my bank account or my, uh, my phone bill yeah. problem. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. What's the term for that? Uh, wire fraud? Mm. Yeah, something to that
1: effect. Um, yeah, he's not a good dude. He he's obviously in it for himself. You make that very abundantly clear right off the hop.
0: Yeah. Well, he's broken into banks. He's he's adjusted his phone bill, like, dude, you're going to jail for that. So but uh well like we see that we sort of the we see the uh the tank and the bit, and by the way, I want a bit. I want a bit right? to fly around around my head. <laughs> yes, no, ah. yes, no. That bit, that bothered me. Why? Bits have two states,
1: on and off. Okay. That bit had a third state. Which was? In betweeny. Whatever the hell it was when it was not yes or no.
0: Eh. <laughs> that would have been boring if all it did was scream yes, 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 yes. You know, until I had
2: something. One, else zero, to say. zero, zero, one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i thought the bit was cute certainly when you no, 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 when he's flying the recognizer that was hilarious
2: yeah uh,
1: but don't no, get uh, me wrong it's cute it's just that that bugged me because i'm a nerd
0: yeah, yeah as opposed to heather and i we're not really into that computer stuff we're not really geeks like that so you know
1: okay yeah but we're nerds about different
0: things <laughs> she's the most technical of the three of us dude she's
1: okay, but we're, we can still be nerds about different things.
0: I can see the disgust in her face.
2: That's, that's probably the lighting. Oh. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. So, he sort of heads out of this canyon and into this open grid, and immediately the recognizers are on him. And I've always wanted to play that game. Like, I've wanted that. And then I discovered there is a game you can play that looks like this. It's called Battlezone. This is before your time, Adam. Heather, do you remember the old Battlezone game with the two mm. sticks you'd look through? It was all wireframe and it was <gasps> tanks.
3: Yeah!
0: Yeah. So, first I off... I remember that. That game rocks. And they had one of them on the set of Tron, by the way. They remade that game about five years ago for virtual reality. And they also un reality it so, like, normal people could play it. And now that I have a VR headset, um, well, I got this kick-ass looking thing. Um, it just... You put your phone in it. But... I played it and it first off, it's amazing. And I don't barf, which is good, but it oh. looks like this, a more colorful version of Tron and you're in a tank and it's absolutely awesome. Uh, there've been a few games. There's one called, a game a few years ago called actually oh, 10 years ago now called tank universal. Same thing. It was very clear. They are pushing as close to this Tron aesthetic as they could get without being like, you know, sued. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, it's called tank universal. You can probably get it for like three bucks on steam. It's pretty awesome. But, uh, you see him sort of he was looking for the file that explained that he originally
1: created the uh video games that what's his Hooper stole from him and became Dillinger. rich with Dillinger, thank you
2: Dillinger he... stole his games right. and he's right. finding the evidence that's been buried
1: <laughs> which turns out to be a sheet of paper saying written by <laughs> yeah, I know that's that's real evidence. <laughs>
2: i had a problem with that (laughs) i had
1: several including that's not evidence it's going to be a judge looking at it going you typed this you typed this at home
2: it came up on all the monitors across the uh, across the building too though
0: yeah okay
2: found the file
0: yeah yeah i don't think it was so much that it had to go to a judge it had to go to the president of the company Yeah. yeah because the impression i got wasn't so much that uh, Flynn was given the company. We know he, We know later he becomes president, mm-hmm. but I think it's that he was given Dillinger, Dillinger's job. Yeah, that that's was me. the impression I got at the end of the movie. That essentially yeah. Dillinger got shown the door, and Kevin Flynn was given his desk. So okay. to speak. That makes sense. Uh, that's 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 my guess. Because remember, he's not like one of the owners. No. Right. He was He's just not an executive. Yeah, he's just a programmer. He's. I mean, he was a drone. He probably worked in a cubicle, no different. Then Alan, you know, Tron, or yeah. the dude who was Ram. You know, so suddenly he's like a senior executive vice president. Though I did notice something for the first time in this viewing. What's up Alan, Tron, mm-hmm. has a PhD. No. I happen to see his name tag. It's Dr. Alan Whatever. Huh. Which I hadn't noticed before.
2: But I mean you look he at that plate I mean, I'm sorry. Well, he is an officer.
0: What do you mean?
1: He's an officer?
2: Babylon Five.
1: Oh, oh. <laughs> it's pile just, on Fahrenheit. Yeah, uh, I'm helping.
0: <laughs> editing, lots and lots of editing. I'm helping. Had better go at the top of the episode when this is yeah. done. Uh, okay. So the next is a scene that I would like to subject both of you to, which is Klu being tortured and eventually de uh, Yeah,
1: that was that was the thing.
0: One thing they did say in the director's commentary is that they tried to convey emotion through color. So anytime a character gets very colorful, is subjected to an energy field of color, it's meant to convey emotion. And I have to say they did a really shitty job of it because the only, like there's no emotion conveyed in a torture scene other than And I'm not sure that qualifies as an emotion. Yeah, sensation. But that's not an emotion. Okay, fine. I mean, if I beat you over the head with a stick, which I'd really like to do, I will experience an emotion. You will experience pain. You might also be upset, which I guess is an emotion, but I will experience joy. But it's Stop you know, coming over to your house. We're all going to do these all over uh, Skype from now on. Fine. <laughs> yeah, because the torture scene ends with the MCP saying, get me Dillinger. And that's all it takes, right? Like one sentence and we know who's in charge here and it ain't the human. Because yeah. the next thing is he comes back and I like he says, you know, when you've seen one consumer electronic show, you've seen them all. Of course, yeah. the consu- well, the Consumer Electronics Show is still a thing. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we've still got E3, we've still got Gamescom, we've
1: still got um, just tech shows in general. Like- yeah,
0: well, but E3 and Gamescom, like E3, came out of CES, Consumer Electronics yes. Show, because it used to be. I mean, as up until the mid '90s, Nintendo and Sega presented at CES, mm-hmm. and then they were they were treated like a side attraction, mm-hmm. and so eventually they said, "Well, let's do this ourselves." Now, whether that's been a successful project, I couldn't tell you because I've seen E3 and I, you could get me there at gunpoint. <laughs> well, people jammed in there and it's deafening. And I, I feel like it's
1: not, a, it's not a consumer show, though, at this point in time. It's more of a, more of a uh, sta- uh, stakeholder show. Yeah, but
0: that's true of CES as well.
1: Fair. But I mean, that's called yeah. Consumer Electronic Showcase.
0: Yeah, for a Consumer Electronics.
1: <laughs> ah,
0: fair. It's a show of Consumer Electronics. They show okay. TVs and microwaves and ovens and well, probably not ovens, but yeah, it is interesting. You know, when they show Dillinger like that, what do you think of that desk? It's a hell of a desk. I'd love to build that desk. <laughs> they uh, they faked it. It's all uh, I'd say rear projection, but it gets its underside projection. Yeah. Because you can't yeah. make that. They had no ability to make a touchscreen anything no. in 1982. No, 100 percent. They had to
1: time that out properly. Like, oh, you press here at this point in time, and it's going to light up.
0: Yeah, that was a hell of a thing to film because they had to light the set,
3: mm-hmm. but
0: not have any of the lights reflect off the table. Mm, so you could yeah. actually you know, see what was on the table and not see the lights. Yeah.
1: They did a good job of that,
0: I think. That's a cinematographer earning his pay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I've, I've got one screenshot of it pulled up on my screen right now and they did a really good job. They managed to not have any of the production lights, but they did get some of the ceiling lights reflected in it. I think that that is, that must've been incredibly difficult for them to get set properly.
0: Yeah. They seem to have a lot of trouble with lights. Like when they did the, uh, like the arcade, like Flynn's arcade, there is mm-hmm. actually a loft upstairs okay. and they blew the dialogue. So they had to refilm it, but they couldn't get back into the loft. So they had to build, rebuild the set. Oh really? And the lighting was a problem as it came in through those venetian blinds yeah and and yeah i guess it was just a nightmare trying to get in they actually stuck poles up the backs of their shirts so the actors couldn't move so the lighting wouldn't like <laughs> they, blow the lighting so, oh okay yeah so, yeah it was this film apparently was a nightmare to make the fact that they made this on 17 million is genuinely impressive it really is and so you know the next thing we see is actually, what is the next thing we see? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, tr- Alan tr- Tron is cut out of, uh, is cut seven. out of yeah group seven access, whatever the hell that is. Yeah. Uh, but then he goes down into a laser bay. And by the way, that laser bay is an actual laser bay. It does exactly what they presented as minus the teleportation thing. Um, Can't. these lasers, don't <laughs> if I zap you with a really high power laser, you may disassemble, but you're not reassembling. <laughs> She's so disappointed um, looking right yeah, now. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> I'll get the la- I'll get the laser pointer. But uh,
1: so yeah, we go down into this laser bay, and uh, Alan Tron comes down and greets his wife. And
0: no, I don't. Who, think, I don't think it's his wife. I think it's his girlfriend. Too.
1: Oh, girlfriend. Sorry, but greets her, and I think one of the founders of the company. Yeah, Dumont. Yeah, That's
0: Dumont. Yeah. Uh, well, no, sorry, Dumont is what he's called in the. Uh, oh, in the yeah, it's what he's control. called in the game.
1: What his program is called?
0: Yeah. His by the name, way. Is Walter Gibbs. Walter, that's right. That's right. Did you notice they had a reference to Dumont in uh, Tron Legacy? Yeah, where was that? Remember, Sam's apartment is
1: uh, uh, it's made a made
3: bunch of sneakers and containers. Uh, yeah.
0: Dumont, yeah, that was on purpose. Yeah. Okay. So, on the shores of I, Vancouver. Despite yeah, the fact I knew that, that I saw movie, it somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> this movie, by the way, takes place in Los Angeles and then suddenly <laughs> it doesn't. Does it? <laughs> yeah, it takes place in LA. I
3: they chose. That...
0: Go ahead. I thought it was supposed to be set in Vancouver. Now well the second movie yes but the uh, first movie takes place in LA they chose LA because at night the because the city's laid out in a grid uh, it looks like a uh, at night okay. that's why they chose it right right the second one takes place it's clearly in Vancouver yeah which is annoying because the arcade is still in the city so they just hope people wouldn't remember which yeah. drives... <laughs> 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 once again it's like when you read the back cover of the DVD and go let's make a sequel now you know like come on <laughs> Yeah, so the whole point is this laser bay has got this thing going where this high powered laser disassembles you on the molecular level and then somehow reconstitutes you because reasons.
1: Yep, so pretty much that's the science that we get. There's no techno babble here, it just does the
0: thing. And that's the funny thing for a movie that is nothing but technical terms, badly used, (laughs) there is no techno babble in this scene. The one place they could have benefited from some. Sciencey science stuff, you know, but yeah. No. So, I'm.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah No, yeah. I I was gonna go and tangentially speculate on why they might do that for a, a lower reason because maybe the scientists that are all working on it don't feel the need to use specified terms because they all know what's going on and this is really actually a a critical step in the filmmaking process considering characters motivations. by blah, blah 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 blah. Shut up, Adam.
0: Everyone who believes anything you just said, stand on your head. <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm still reminded of some bubble-headed commercial in the 90s for women's hair products and they actually referred to the bendy holdy technology stuff <laughs> <And>,
1: uh, oh, <laughs> bendy holdy technology stuff that's that's on par with long long man that's right up there for, with, uh, uh, malibu stacy thinking gives oh you God. wrinkles
2: <laughs> thanks lisa Do- doctor who's
1: uh wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff there we
2: go. Oh. Uh,
0: I'm not a Hoover or whatever you guys call yourselves. So neither cool. am I. So very quickly, Alan and this woman, and I don't even know her name. What is her name? That's not fair. We can't just keep calling her uh, that woman. Yeah. Her name oh, is Laura and her program is Yuri.
2: Yuri. Yeah.
0: Yuri. What's the, Yuri. what's the human though? What's the human Laura. Name? Laura. Okay. So they figure right. out that, uh, yeah, they figure out that it must be Flynn trying to break in. So they go to the arcade and it really does look like an arcade from the 80s. Now, you yeah. are, you're, you're not old enough to have ever been in one. Yeah. But when we were kids, arcades were, were, well, we were told, were scummy places where uh, teens hung out and were up to no good. They dealt drugs. You know? and, <laughs> and, like cigarettes. and cigarettes. And cigarettes, and they're cigarettes.
2: Gonna, they're going to force you to start smoking if you go in That's there. That's right. That's
0: right. In Calgary, at South Centre Mall, there used to be an arcade in the old food court. And okay. it was this dark, Dingy place. You could smoke in there, and so of course all the cool kids were smoking, and it was awful. Like my parents wouldn't let me go in there without them. That's how bad it was. Um, Really? Yeah, yeah. It was. It was pretty. It was pretty gross. When they redid the mall, they put in another uh, arcade, and it was bright, and the place was swarming with staff, so that parents would actually let their kids go there. Because arcades in the 80s had a really bad reputation. And this one, I mean, it looked okay. Everyone seemed super nice, but then it was made for a Disney movie. It looks very, well, mostly clean. It's
1: yeah. well populated and well lit. and Very nice. 80s. Like the one
0: kid with a the, with the sweatband and the, the collared yeah. shirt and the, the knee-high socks. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone has Walkmans on. And yeah. they're playing Journey in the background. Because what's more 80s than Journey?
2: And it was- 20,
0: 25 cents to play a game yeah, yeah a quarter. Right. i remember the scandal when dragon's lair was 50 cents Ooh. that was a big deal like when it, when everything's a quarter and it's you know, you play that one
1: 50 cents to watch a movie
0: it was a big deal for battle. its time no no the movie of the game
1: yeah so. <laughs> the fact that dragon's lair was basically one big quick time event yeah the
0: whole thing is 25
1: minutes yeah long. that's
2: true
0: yeah. yeah, but uh, the mu- the music they're playing in the background it's a a journey song called Only Solutions, which was written for the
3: movie. How
0: was it? As the man says, there are no problems, only solutions. That's a line ah. from the film. Yeah, ah. so they actually, so Journey, you know, which Journey in the, you know, in the early 80s was a big thing. They, yeah. I think they had just released uh, Escape. Okay. Which, is, of course, got the big, the famous song, Don't Stop Believing. But, uh, by the way, they have a kick-ass Atari game called Journey Escape, and it's just band members trying to get through screaming fans while the uh, the background beat to Don't Stop Believing plays. It's a very cool game. Okay, actually, it's a shitty game, but I thought yeah. it was cool when I was like six. Yeah, so they sh- go and they f- they go and they find uh, Kevin Flynn, who, if you notice, is sweating like a pig.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's really into that game. Like he is, I yeah, he is deep in that game.
0: Did you see those pits, though? Like, you see how
2: sweaty he is? <laughs> they had to justify him changing his shirt for no reason.
0: Oh
1: yeah,
2: and yeah, like, yeah
0: that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Well, also, that many bodies in that place. That place would be. I mean, four, four of us recording Dungeon Master, and here we were all pretty sweaty. Can you imagine 300 people in the Los Angeles summer heat? Yeah, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. And all those arcade machines generating heat. That must have been something else. Uh, so they go upstairs, and he gets to change. It's the one bit of beefcake we get. There are no 80s boobs, but nope. there's Jeff Bridges. Hey, I'm okay with that. Hey, Jeff Bridges
1: is a good looking dude. I'll give it up. Heather is you no. Know, it's notably silent. silent.
2: <laughs> it's, it's just that I know how he turns out. I don't know. I mean,
0: certainly in, in Tron Legacy, I mean, okay, he's no sex uh, yeah. symbol, but he had a cool look to him in that film. Yeah. In Legacy, well, like the gray the gray beard and all that. And...
2: At what point in his career, though, did he give up socks and shoes? Probably for the big Lebowski. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he ever put them back on.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. He's when like, we need like, him barefoot for most of this until the end when he d- decides to act
0: <laughs> yeah it, it, in legacy there is a lot of Lebowskiism in there isn't yeah they definitely little, it, little it, bit, yeah yeah I got the impression that they wanted the dude yeah they got the door and, and that's unfortunate but I actually liked his character in legacy I would have liked to have seen him do more yep I would like to have understood his journey from Tron to the interim to you know, the end of Tron legacy a little more, but you know, these movies are not deep and they're less deep every time I see them. It's funny when they, when, when Alan and Laura and, and Jeff, when they, uh, Kevin Flynn, when they're talking about what's going on at Encom that, you know, he's stolen the files and it's, you know, just him and the MCP from here on in, you'd think it, it was like the end of the goddamn world, but it's just yeah. like one dude in his computer program. That's I mean, it. They- they do start
1: talking about like overtaking other companies and military assets. So I mean, well,
0: the MCP talks about that. Yeah, yeah. Like he's going to take a crack at the Pentagon next week, and he wants to take on the Kremlin and yeah. strategic defense. And so I guess this was like a Skynet averted. It's it certainly plays itself as being Skynet averted. There is a little bit of character in there where uh, Kevin Flynn says does she le- still leave her clothing on the floor? Yeah, like that's the only. Like, personality. Like, this idea that these people are more than just cogs in a corporate machine. Like, hey, she's got a personal habit.
1: And well, I,
2: I, I get the impression that the th- three of them were there from the beginning with Walter. Okay. I'm not sure I got that. But
0: yeah. it's hard. to. It's They seem a little young for that. They,
1: they
2: mentioned in passing that they've been a team for a long time.
1: They mentioned that. But I know that they also reference Walter having started the company out of his garage. and. Yeah it more played off to me that uh, Flynn and Laura were previously lovers and now she's with uh, Alan and that's where the, does she still leave her clothes on the floor come from? Not from yeah,
2: absolutely. But they've, they've known each other for a long time. Oh yeah. Clearly uh, they uh, all met at work. And then it didn't work out. And now she's with Alan. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She works in a different department, right? Like she's doing the, like the laser technology stuff. That's like, that's hardcore engineering. Whereas these two are just, they're code well not just but they're coders they're they're programmers and oh you know now I think about it uh,
1: Sector 7 is probably working on the MCP
0: or working adjacent to the MCP at least Group 7 you mean? Yeah. Oh you're talking about Group 7 Access yeah Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. well yeah because Tron is remember Tron is a security program Uh, What's the project you're working on? Well it's called Tron it's a
1: security program itself actually it monitors all contacts between our system and other
2: systems finds anything going on that's not scheduled it shuts it down. I sent you a memo on it.
1: Part of the master control program?
3: No. No,
1: it'll it'll run independently. Can watchdog the MCP as well. Sounds good. Yes.
0: They decide they're going to break into a place and then we go back to Dillinger and he's talking with Walter and this is where we learn that Walter is the founder of Encom. Right. And Walter was you know, one was the, you know, the other guy with the laser that is like a Star Trek transporter, but not a little more Bernie <laughs> <laughs> incinerating, if you, know you call it uh, vaporizing. Obviously there's a story there, right? That he was the founder of the company and it's been taken away from him, mm-hmm. or maybe he gave it up and just said, you know what, I'm going to go work in my lab. I'm going to tinker as I've always done. You guys do the rest because Dillinger, who remember was just a software engineer, just like Kevin Flynn. Now he's high up in the corporation. Yeah. So this is the early 80s. There were so many movies that talked about corporate culture. I mean, there was bad ones like, was it The Secret to My Success, which was this awful Michael J. Fox film? Uh, There was Wall Street.
2: I am not a destroyer of companies. I am a liberator of them.
1: The point is, ladies and gentlemen,
0: that greed,
1: for lack of a better word, is
0: good movies about corporations were very much the thing in the eighties this corporate culture became i won't say cool but it became something that hollywood wanted to talk about and they sort of hinted that here because you got the suits versus the guys in the trenches right i mean you look at dillinger he's on the top floor of the building he's he has expensive suits and these guys Work in cubicle farms. Like did you see the cubicle farm that Alan was in? Like it goes off into the far <laughs> distance.
1: Yeah, so. it's not uh, not great. I mean <laughs> I I can't imagine working in one of those where you've got no
0: personal bubble. And it's funny because they removed those. You know, the open office concept has been very was very cool about 10 years ago. So everyone started removing them mm-hmm. and they have found they have to put them back in because it kills productivity. Because everyone feels like they're being watched by everyone else. Right. And they found, they've done studies and they found that everyone wants their cubicle walls back. No one likes to work in a fishbowl. So Uh, justifiable. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to work in a fishbowl. I really, really wouldn't.
1: You know, no, me either. Um, I do want to point one thing out though, if Mm -hmm. we go back to the, the scene where they're all in the loft, they go from, Hey, you should know. (laughs) They know what you're up to, to, let's go break into our office and steal top level industrial secrets in like (laughs) 10 seconds. As one does.
2: (laughs) It escalated quickly.
0: It really did. Who amongst us has not considered (laughs) grand larceny breaking and entering in computer fraud? (laughs) Oh, we're all going to jail. So they go and they break in and this door, this is a real door, like this big super door that they open. It weighs 10 tons. And it's, they do radiation experiments behind it.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: But the director was saying that the people who build it, they're so proud of it. It is so well hinged that one person can push it open with their hands. Really? Yeah. Because
2: it's oh, so which, well bound. Which person?
0: <laughs> Thor. <laughs> I would
3: You're tell you, but
0: yeah, he'll get mad and you wouldn't like him when he's mad. Um, <laughs> but, but no, really, it is just this, um, uh, it is really uh, a real door. And it can't just be pushed open by one person. It's not there as an, uh, as an anti-theft thing. That's not like, a, like the vault with diamonds behind it. Right. It's to stop radiation. Yeah. Because it's a laboratory at a university. That's where they filmed it. Apparently, just outside of the camera frame, there was a puddle of something with hazard cones around it and radiation signs. <laughs> and I guess they were all sort of looking at it sideways while they were filming, like, should we really be here? <laughs> they had spilled something. As you do. Are,
2: are you kidding? If, if I weren't there, I, I would have laid that to it. 100%. What? Good. There's a bunch of actors coming through? Great. Just a minute.
0: <laughs> and, and you know what? Now that I think about it, that may very well be it. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's kind of funny. So they go sneaking around in a computer lab. And again, like every other set in the real world, with the exception of the offices, uh, all these computer areas, they're real. They're in universities. There's a university somewhere. These are actual computers. Right out of frame was a Cray supercomputer. Okay. Which in its day was the most powerful computer ever. Like that was like the supercomputer. And there was one in that building, which is kind of cool. While Alan goes off to commit computer fraud, Kevin goes to desk. Yeah. Kevin goes to commit computer fraud elsewhere and meets the MCP who then zaps him.
1: Actually, before we do that, let's point yep. out the cool thing at um, sure. Alan's desk. He's got up on his wall uh, oh. Gort, Klatu Barada, Nikto.
2: Yeah! <laughs> yeah, from uh,
1: The Day ah, the, the day Earth, day Earth stood, still. stood
0: Still. Or, if you only say half of it... Klatu Barada! <laughs> from army of
3: darkness
0: (laughs) (laughs) have you ever seen that have you ever seen army of darkness i have not actually seen army of Darkness. you don't have to watch evil dead one and two just go on to part three which is army of darkness Uh, it's it's bruce campbell okay go go watch it so now we're in the electronic world which was pretty cool like it was all computer rendered and it's funny because they were bragging in the director's commentary like this director's commentary was done in I think 2005 and said no movie has ever had as many shots with real people and computer graphics in it. There was like 111 shots like that. <laughs> and I'm sitting thinking, Whoa. yeah, <laughs> it's like tell, then tell there's the Avengers mind. movies, you know, where it's yeah. like those Avengers movies are nothing but computers. Yeah. Or Jesus, even the star Wars prequels where yeah. they pretty much did the whole damn things on, uh, on green screen, by the way, do you know why they use green screen instead of blue screen? <laughs> It's because of something to
1: do with like blue being more common tones in clothing, isn't it?
2: You, Super- you told me this, so I can't remember. Superman.
1: Oh. Okay, right, right. When right. they
0: filmed Christopher Reeve, yeah, they used blue screen. Give you like a disembodied head, head in, and, hands and and hands and hands and, a and, and, and s. s. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So they did, but this movie again was all done in black screen, which must have been just nightmarish. So Tron materializes in the Grid world, whatever. Do they ever actually give it a name, or is it just the game world or the gaming grid? I think they call it. They, they
1: just grid? call it like the gaming grid or the grid. They never actually give it a, a proper name.
0: Yeah, I don't recall. Heather, do you recall if they called it anything?
2: No, I I only ever thought it was the
0: grid. Which I think is a reference. For, I think that's in the second movie. What they call it?
3: The Grid,
1: a digital frontier.
3: I tried to picture clusters of information as they moved through the computer. What did they look like? Ships?
1: Motorcycles? Were the circuits like freeways? I kept dreaming of a world I thought I'd never see. And then, one day... You got in. (laughs) That's right, man.
0: I got in. I think it's called the gaming grid in this one and then just the grid in the second one. Okay. Uh, you know, instead of going through both movies one at a time, it's kind of worth noting that at this point, Tron and Tron Legacy are the same film. More or less. It happens the same way. You have the initial crime caper right here. like In Tron, it was, it was Flynn trying to break in using Clue. And in uh, Tron Legacy, it's Sam breaking into Encom Tower and doing the base jumping and then he returns to the grid and in both cases is immediately arrested by the guards and in fact given the same speech did you notice that in Legacy it's the same speech you will
1: each receive an identity disc everything you do or learn will be imprinted on this disc if you lose your disc or fail to follow commands you will be subject to immediate de-resolution that will be all. Attention program. You will receive an identity disc. Everything you do or learn will be imprinted on this disc. If you lose your disc or fail to follow commands, you will be subject to immediate de-resolution.
0: Yes, it is. The second movie was not what we'd call original. Like, they just went with the original movie and just redid it. More or less, but yeah. yeah, it's the same thing. And then you have a little scene where they get to, you know, they get to learn a little bit more about uh, how things work. That it's, you know, it's, it's the gaming grid. They'll play you until you die. Blah blah blah. We get to see the discs, like the disc fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure about yeah. you, Heather, but I used, yeah, you had a you had a frisbee too that you used. I assume. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Turns out, so did they. They were literally frisbees. They had a frisbee coach on the set to show them how to throw them well. Nice. Cool. Yeah, they literally went to a toy store, bought Frisbees, and painted them. Cool. Nice. That, is, that is all the identity discs were, which is hilarious.
1: Then we get the highlight game. Well, hang uh, on. We actually we get introduced to Tron there, too, don't we? Yeah. That's who uh, they see throwing the disc.
3: Hey, who's that guy?
0: That's Tron. He fights for the users. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. He fights for the users. And that's the kind of interesting thing is that they apply purely human terms to bits and bytes. They talk about belief in the users as hysterical as a religious cult. They're attributing like truly human factor, like human characteristics to programs Mm -hmm. who shouldn't understand what religion is. Why would an accounting program know what religion is? Why would SARC know what a religion is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they definitely build this up as though these programs are
1: autonomous enough to create their own, you know set of beliefs
0: yeah in legacy which again i i've come to believe is the superior film there's a lot more humanity each individual program clearly has a personality on its own because flynn built this system remember flynn didn't build this one this one is just sort of there yeah whereas he built the grid to be a manifestation of programs and those programs all seem to have personalities some of them way too much personality like uh michael sheen's character, Castor, the yeah, guy
1: I normally like Michael Sheen. I
0: didn't care for him in that role. Oh, he was annoying.
3: Libations for everybody.
0: Gather, you're about to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 yeah. That not is, a fan. that is totally my assessment of Caster, right there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's that character in a, a lot of movies, though, right?
0: Yeah, and that was my problem with it is that he's a character from another
1: movie. Yeah. Yeah, he really does kind of come out of left field. Several other movies. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, at one point in one of the last, like one of the last things we see after he steals Flynn's identity disc is he does this weird motion with his cane and it's stolen from a Charlie Chaplin film huh. when he's walking away from the camera. It's right out of Charlie Chaplin. Oh, that's and like that, a surprise. Yeah, that kind of annoyed me though because it's the only reference within either of these movies to a particular piece of media outside of them. You know what I mean? Sark doesn't pretend to be Darth Vader. Yeah, I see what you're getting at. Whereas Castor is clearly mimicking entertainment he's been exposed to. I don't know, but remember the grid isn't on the internet; it's a closed system. In both cases, okay. I don't know. It, it bothered me, but that's uh, fair enough. Yeah. So we learn that Tron fights for the religion of the users. That the MCP wants programs to not pay attention to users. I'd like to say there's deep philosophy here, but I think we all know that's bullshit. Yeah. This is about <laughs> as deep as an empty bucket of beer. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just not great. And then, yeah, Ram and Tron talk. And then, you know, there's the high highlight scene where, where Flynn finally gets to play. And we learn that he won't kill, even though it's a program. So Sark does yeah. it for him. Finish the game.
2: No. Kill him. No regret this.
0: Uh, yeah. For some reason, I kept expecting him to yell, Finish him! Ah, finish him. And hear the music, but no. <laughs> this is not Mortal Kombat.
3: Brutality.
0: Yeah, the first time I heard, first time I heard uh, the Mortal Kombat music played at a NHL game, I thought, those games have got more violent than I remember. <laughs>
2: We played that for our hockey games too, though.
0: Nice. Like that,
2: yeah, was, just, that was a, yeah. that was pump-up music in the dressing room.
3: Yeah.
0: At some point, like, does Don Cherry get on the microphone? Finish him. Well, yes, he pretty much did that, except he Basically, was speaking yeah. about his career. <laughs> yeah. Rock'em sock'em hockey. Sixty-five videos like that, but anyway, back to Tron. Um, <laughs> enough of the fake guy in bad costumes. Let's talk about Tron. I mean, in um, fairness, he's he's real. He's not fake. Is he, Adam? <laughs> is he really? <laughs> anyway, sorry, that's too profound for nine thirty at night because we've been at Adam this for an hour and a half. My God, How uh, have we been
1: at this for an hour and a half
0: on Tron? No, <laughs> oh, we're we're not going to go through Legacy blow by blow because um, okay. it's mostly comparing back and forth, right? So then we get into the to the Light Cycles. Uh, yes. And this is where I was noting that like, if you look at the light cycles, it gets beautiful to look at, but at no point did I ever think that these were 3D objects in a 3D space. I'm not sure which aesthetic about it I
1: like more though, because it does lend the idea that it's not a 3D space. We're in a completely non-physical computer generated reality. So, I mean, I guess that that does give itself some credence, but again, that just might be Adam making up (laughs) excuses for poor filmmaking.
0: I don't well, think not it's poor filmmaking. Film. I think it's no, just no, no, it's I what take the that computers bad. can handle. It's You're so right. You're right.
2: It's, yeah,
0: it's it's not that it's bad. It's that it was before its time. Yeah, absolutely. Like you remember when they see the grid bugs? They come right out of the grid. Yes. Yes. <laughs> those that's were animated, adorable. but it's pretty clear those were just drawn. Like that's just yeah. traditional animation. Yeah. Because probably it was harder to render them well when you could just say "fuck it," just just draw it. Probably. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but to me it looked drawn. But that's much later in the movie, anyway. Yes. Um, yeah, so there is the cool light cycle scene. I would I would suggest it's the best scene of the film. It's certainly the most interesting. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'll uh, give you that it's the most interesting.
0: I like the individualism of it. The bad guys are all blue, but these three characters so we can identify them later when they make their escape, they're all different colors. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that the other like their opponents, the three blues, They're also just gladiators. They're also just prisoners. Yeah. So, you know, they sort of do what they can with what they have. I mean, you know, three blue and three red is fine for the game. But once these guys escape you have to be able to sort of identify one to the other. I, I mean, like there's, there's so many, so many things we could look at.
1: I suppose like the fact that they drink the energy and then become blue after they drink the energy, yeah. maybe the gladiatorial team that they went up against, they've been on a winning streak. And because they've been on a winning streak, they got a bunch of extra water and that's why they're blue.
0: I, sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Seems deep I mean, for this. I, I yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's uh it's hard to tell, but it is, I mean, it is a cool looking, it is a cool looking scene. Very, you cool. know, Tron is like light cycles is a fun game to play, and no one has ever made a good light cycle game, at least to my knowledge. I know well, there was some
2: b- because I want to be riding it. Details, details. We did better in the backyard with a stick.
0: Yeah, it's, sure. um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's certainly good looking, and then they break out mostly because one guy hits the side of the gaming grid so hard he breaks a hole in it. yeah yeah. it's a great visual it is actually (laughs) a pretty cool visual and then we see the tanks chasing them Mm -hmm. and i gotta say i love like if you look at the the tank helmet those are cool looking helmets actually one thing i do want to point out there is a really
1: great shot where they actually do reference outside media again where's that um it's right before uh, Sark unleashes the tanks, or right as he's unleashing them. He is staring at the screen, and it's got the big yellow center that kind of looks like the Death Star model from A New Hope. And there's a Pac-Man and a bunch of little dots right beside it. I'm pretty sure that it is, because Pac-Man does the mouth-open-and-close thing, and there's a bunch of little dots leading away from him. That's it's cute. at uh, 45 minutes, 29 seconds. Okay, we gotta go look for this, don't we?
0: <laughs> Holy shit, you're right. <laughs>
1: you see oh, it? there
2: he is!
0: <laughs> and then, I'm not a sure where
2: that died on there.
0: I think those are meant to be the escaped, oh, yeah. the escape yeah. cycles. But that is totally Pac-Man. Yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. That's that's cute. So chase them in the tanks again. Really cool visual, and it's amazing. Like if you look at the what we're seeing now, the animation of the cliffs. It's almost all blacks and grays. Uh, One thing they actually did a pretty good job in this, and I'd argue better than in Legacy, is that even with minimal color schemes, like minimal choice of colors, mostly just blacks and gray or white lines so we could actually see where the edges are, they do a better job here of communicating 3D spaces. Because the one thing I found in Tron Legacy, especially in the light cycle grid, is that the glass... I had trouble seeing where the floor was. Okay, yeah. I'm not sure if you guys had that issue.
3: Yeah, sure. it, or, yeah. Or,
0: or it was worse in the beginning when, when Sam had the disc fight. Yeah, and he go, and the other one runs up the top of the... Yeah, because everything's like plexiglass. Yeah. I had trouble visualizing the shape of the arena. Like, I know they kept changing. Because yeah. as people were dying, they were sort of merging and getting bigger. But I had enormous amounts of trouble visualizing the shape of the arena until the camera pulled back and we could see Clue watching the fight yeah i'm not sure how you how you were with that heather
2: yeah but i thought we were supposed to be disoriented
0: yeah i guess i guess yeah um, i hadn't thought i actually hadn't thought about that i mean a lot more thought i think clearly was put into legacy than the original mm. well a little more thought anyway but i wonder I, I feel if feel like
1: right. i feel like the continuity stuff gets a little bit more um of a careful treatment in some more uh in the oh, continuity, shit. Well, um, I mean like <laughs>
3: right. okay,
1: sorry, not continuity, but like the minor detail-y stuff. Some like, of it, yeah. Throwing you into a disorientating space to try and get you to empathize with the character again, kind of hearkening back to the, the visuals being very yeah. jarring in Tron 1.
0: You know, as I said, I got the impression that the pitch for Tron, the original Tron, was, hey, let's make a picture about video games. The kids love that stuff. I think you're right. Like, you know, and Hello, Cap. whereas with Legacy they were trying to tell a story of a father and son. I mean, it's a standard story of the missing father and the son going mm-hmm. to search for him. You know, there are 50 movies that come out in and around Tron that are more or less the same thing about a father and a son reconciling, including a movie that came out at about the same time called Cloak and Dagger. Oh,
2: well, that was a good one. You've uh, seen yeah, that? Yeah, does. <laughs> Cloak and Dagger, yeah.
0: That, I watched that recently. It's a bad film, but it's... You know, for kids, it's a very cool film. It's just about a kid who he has a video game a Atari cartridge that has like spy stuff on it, and it's mostly about that the kid has an imaginary friend named Jack Flack, who I think is like from role playing games or something. But in his mind, Jack Flack looks like his dad, who's sort of a very a very '80s dad, very distant. Mom is dead, and he's distant. Essentially, the movie ends with dad becoming the true hero of his son's life. You know, so there are a thousand movies like that. You know, the, the son trying to reconcile with the father. Uh, and legacy did that fairly well. So they escape and they come across is the lake now. Uh now, well no they
1: they still do the last of their getaway scene where they get to the bridge, don't
0: they? Oh no, is that after? No 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 the lake comes first. Oh yeah you're right you're right. There it is. Yeah. So they come across that lake. I have to admit after seeing this I would drink out of my frisbee once or twice to pretend it was <laughs> like the electricity. Right? Yeah. My frisbee was glow in the dark. And oh, it cool. had the concentric circles. Cool. Like it's, yeah, it was, it was, it was a piece of shit, but in the dark (laughs) and like it was that 1980s glow in the dark paint they used, like on Zartan, like the really shitty stuff that didn't really glow in the dark uh, for more than a few seconds. And only if you had like 2010 astronaut vision, (laughs) otherwise you couldn't, you couldn't see this thing at arm's length.
2: You had to believe.
0: You had to believe it glowed in the dark, yeah. And it was probably toxic shit, and I'm sure it cost me 20 IQ points in 10 years of my life. But I used to drink out of that and pretend it was the the, the Tron drink. It's funny, they talked about, they, they, they were trying to debate what to make the water out of. Like, were they going to use clear water? Were they going to use, like, milk with ink in it? They couldn't quite Ugh. decide. Yeah, I, I imagine they wouldn't have actually had to, you know, drink it if it were something like, you know, milk with ink in it. But I'm sure you can get food coloring for that color yeah well I mean, it was all done with light you know if you are uh, like to our listeners who are really into the technical side of how film is made especially if you ever want to be a cinematographer or you want to be involved in film absolutely buy tron and listen to the director's commentary because that's all they talk about <laughs> is like they don't talk about anything else i learned that i learned that they had trouble hiring for the female role really no one wanted it Unfortunately, because of the way women are treated in Hollywood, you have X amount of years to set your image in stone. So people think uh, of you as the cute this or the sexy that or the whatever. And so they, and especially in the 80s where there are so few good female roles, as we have learned in this podcast, way too many 80s girls, including in here. Because if you notice, she's always attached to Tron's arm. Mm-hmm. And she's always holding on to Tron and waiting for his physical help and all that sort of stuff. You no, um, lost your... Lost your phone? Really? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's gone.
0: I'm an idiot, and I didn't. Damn it! I I know why. No, I know why. I try. I I forgot to plug back in. (laughs) Give me a second. Damn it! Okay, give me a minute.
3: Games. You want games? I'll give you (laughs) games.
0: Okay, so here we go. So anyway, they leave the Energy Lake and hop back on their their light cycles because they're going towards the uh, input-output tower. And they're ambushed by a tank, and there's a big explosion. All three guys are knocked off their tanks because these things apparently aren't particularly sturdy. No, they're kind of, Tr-
1: kind of wet paper, aren't they?
0: Tron gets separated, Ram gets injured, and Flynn drags Ram off to what we learn is a recognizer. I think I'd mention this that there's a ghostwriter, uh, sorry, not a ghostwriter, a script doctor who oh, was yeah. uncredited. Uh, Charles Haas, I think was his name. Mm-hmm. I am convinced, the more I think about it, that he wrote this scene where he steals the recognizer, that he wrote it and it was left untouched. How do you figure? Because it's the only scene in this entire damn movie with the slightest bit of heart. or
2: or humor yeah very disney yeah
0: it's genuinely funny right at the beginning where it sort of you know it sort of reassembles itself because it's in a rubble pile he thinks he's hiding in rubble and the the one half of the leg like the foot of one of the recognizers legs falls off and it's made very comical and even the um the bit you know yes no yes no Mm -hmm. even that dialogue is pretty funny yeah pretty
3: good driving (coughs)
0: Bless you. And the driving around, like you say, is so Disney. It's so out of step with the rest of the film, which is so grim and serious, with the exception of, of Flynn being a little bit goofy when they, uh, when they meet him at the beginning and then when they sneak in. This is just so on its own. I can't help but think that someone else wrote it. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the more that you say it, the more that it makes sense. Considering that, I've had two days to think more on it what i should have done is i should have found the guy and asked him but he may not be allowed to say because script doctors usually aren't oh really well it's if you're brought in as a script doctor it means two things one you're not getting credit for it and two you're being brought in because the script sucks
1: okay that's fair you
0: know, So, <laughs> i mean it, it's, been thir- it's been 30 almost well 82 92 02 i mean it's we're pushing almost 40 years here it's 38 years old i would be very surprised if anyone cared including me because i didn't bother so
1: yeah well we can't do everything (laughs) there you go listeners there's your challenge go find the
0: script doctor and ask him yeah go go ask charles s haas and ask what he did (laughs) um so anyway they they go into the recognizer and they lay uh They lay Ram down, and that's when Flynn powers up the recognizer just by sitting on it. And Ram realizes there's something really wrong with him, and that's where he clues in he's a user.
1: Yeah, they never really explain exactly what that means to be a user besides the fact that you have power.
0: Well, he's a god, right? I caught this only the last time I watched it. Ram doesn't say, oh my god. He says, oh my user. Yeah. Did you catch that? Yeah. Yeah, I... I I didn't for forty years.
3: Oh, my user. User is the user. Are you a user?
0: I guess, I guess I'm the idiot, hooray. No, no yeah, no. yeah, he says, oh, my user. Which I think is pretty cool that they do view them as gods.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like, they, they view them as gods, but at the end of the day, it's still just Flynn coming in. He doesn't yeah. change, except for the fact that he's digitized. But
2: I just noticed that he could power up the recognizer mm-hmm. by accident, but he didn't know how to save Ram yet. And then at the yeah. end, when um the girl...
0: Yuri? Yori?
2: Yor- yeah. Yori, yeah. Yori. When Yori's fading, he powers her back up at the
0: end so maybe he's figured it out because remember he does bring ram a little bit back to life he does give him a little bit of energy but it doesn't last long right and maybe it's that he's also injured and exhausted maybe, yeah he- I don't know, it's, or maybe this is just really badly written but you know what it's like a lot of movies where we say i find we say this a lot or maybe it's just me saying it a lot because i'm, I'm whining that way that it would have taken an extra line of dialogue that extra scene to make things much clearer. Right. And so often that doesn't happen. Uh, it's weird. About two hours ago, before we did this, Disney Plus posted an article about how a week after The Empire Strikes Back was put in theater on a limited 70 millimeter run, George Lucas ordered changes to the film before it really? came out yeah. on wide release. Yes. And this is totally worth talking about. At the end of the film, remember, we see Chewie and Lando in the in the Falcon getting ready to head off. and And they're talking to Luke and Leia who are on the hospital ship. Yep. The way they shot it, the geography wasn't clear. It was unclear. Were they on the same ship? Were they on different ships? Were Luke and Leia on the hospital ship? So they added three special effects shots. They were. <laughs> ILM was given three weeks to do it. And they changed the dialogue so it sounded like it was coming through radio.
3: Oh, okay.
0: And so they showed the scenes of the fleet moving around the hospital ship and seeing the Falcon. And they actually show the storyboards for it and they explain how it originally worked. And that's how he cleared up the end of it. Now th- those original shots, I mean, I- I'm sure somewhere in his, his dungeon at uh, Skywalker ranch, I'm sure the original scene is there, but that's not what 99% of the public saw because it didn't go into wide release until, until three weeks after he noticed the problem. So that is an example to George Lucas's credit because I don't give him a lot of credit. Um, maybe I probably should, but I don't. He saw a problem and he fixed it. Here with you know re- being able to rejuvenate Ram, but only for a few minutes, and then being able to save Yori, they don't explain that. Although maybe I don't know. Maybe five seconds after we leave the digital world, she dies. Would that be a bummer?
1: Yeah, I mean we never really hear anything from her again in the yeah. sequel either. So it's just yeah, for- she buggered off.
0: I figured it out. That's why Tron oh. becomes Rinsler. It's not that he's defeated by Clue. He's bitter with Flynn for letting Yori die at the end of the first movie.
1: There it is. He, Mind he treks, blown. treks with him through the next however many years in, in the grid and then stages his own death
0: just because he's pissed off. Yeah. Got it.
1: Got That's it.
2: awesome. <laughs> is Merlin about to show
3: up? <laughs> I,
0: I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, Merlin's coming, man. They have the cool recognizer theft scene, which again is really funny. The dialogue is really funny and he has to stop when Ram dies. Right. Tron, he's in an input output tower and spirits Yori off. In the meantime, this is where we get the uh, the crazy second half of the recognizer flight where he drops off a cliff and has that crash landing and... Skits
1: around a corner with a squealing tire sound effect.
0: <laughs> that really bothered you, didn't it?
1: It really, really did.
0: You, you know, it, it doesn't bother me mostly because then I think of Legacy and you can see the, um, the warped air at the, on mm. the feet of the recognizer that, you know, it's, the rocket's pushing it off. Yep. And there's no reason for that. No. right? Well,
3: yeah.
2: Electron on Electron would definitely make a rubber squealing sound. <laughs> totally.
3: Totally. Okay.
0: All right. But, I'm, I'm wrong here quantum physics from we came from the 80s <laughs> let's just oh dear you should basically uh, all have phds oh totally totally yeah well yeah. you know how you know how it works i mean in the age of of covid we've all learned this there's high school uh-huh. bachelor's degree uh-huh. master's degree uh-huh. phd uh-huh. and at the top of that intellectual pyramid is that dude you knew from high school who watched two youtube videos and uses the word sheeple a lot <laughs> yeah, just Google it, man. So we have ascended. We have ascended, ladies
2: right.
0: We are there. Now we just have to use Sheeple a few times in this podcast. Oh, so, God. Uh, I, 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 I quit. Gotta, I got
2: to.
0: <laughs> you got to go? You got to go? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, she's disconnected. Come back. Come back. So <laughs> so anyway, they go and they visit Dumont, who, of course, is Walter in the real world, the yes. founder of Encom. And if you thought Sark looked ridiculous with his cardboard ears, uh, this guy looks like the Sphinx as drawn by someone who had too much to drink. I mean, it's kind of neat because, of course, the Sphinx is meant to be sort of a font of knowledge. So maybe that's what they were going for. But when I look at them, I see, I just get ancient Egypt vibes. I don't know about you guys.
1: Yeah, the ancient Egypt vibes are definitely there, but uh, I don't know. It just, it doesn't feel like it's enough that I can say, oh yeah, that is distinctly, ancient egypt it's just like it's a it's a hint of it
0: yeah I mean, it's, it's not meant to be exact disney plus has got a documentary going where they talk about props from their movies and it seems okay. they're going to be talking about the costuming for tron
2: mm. so, oh wow because yeah. i never even got to symbolism i i got stuck on holy crap that looks so uncomfortable
0: yeah no <laughs> kidding oh yeah um <laughs> i
2: didn't get i didn't get past that
0: Yeah, but then you were a kid like me when you watched that. True. It's funny because one thing that Roger Ebert talked about in his review is that it looks amazing, but the plot is incomprehensible. And I was thinking about that on the way home tonight. I thought, no, it's not incomprehensible. But then for these movies, I mean, not so much for you, Adam, but for Ramey and Heather and I, we've grown up with them. And the holes in logic, we'd miss them because we grew up with this.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. Of course, they let uh, Maverick go to a Top Gun school after committing several safety violations. Of course they did, because that's what happened. And it's hard to wrap your head around that it may be illogical because you've grown up. These movies, I mean, this movie's 38 years old. I've probably seen it 38 times, you know, so it's hard for us to sort of, but symbolism, let's go with that. So he does talk (laughs) to Alan in a cool little scene that it's like an electronic version of like a religious talking to God. Instead of a burning bush, it's a bright light. And information is not handed to him in a stone tablet. It's handed to him on his identity disk.
1: It's begun. Drawn.
0: Location query. confirm.
3: Confirmed, Alan-1.
0: I am creating
2: the information on your disk that will erase the MCP and change the system. Dedicate yourself to getting the disk into the heart of the MCP. This interface is located at its base. You will not be
0: able to communicate again unless you succeed. Go. You know, a painted Frisbee, whichever one or the other.
2: But... Uh, potato, potato. Yeah. yeah.
0: So anyway, Flynn, in the meantime, has snuck aboard the carrier. And again, we talked about this before, is that we're not sure how it was that Flynn acquired the red coloring other than he jumped a guard.
1: Yeah, it just kind of
0: transition to him when he
1: beat the crap out of a guard and then put his hand on him.
0: Yeah. And this becomes an issue because a few minutes later, when Tron is fighting past the guards, Flynn comes at him and Tron throws him over the side of a thin bridge, picks him up and turns him blue again. Once he realizes who he is. So in the meantime, they hijack the solar sail simulation, which I thought was pretty cool. Just the idea that we're learning NCOM which we, know is all, we already know is doing military contracts, is also doing contracts for what I assume is NASA. And of course, there's a reference to this in Legacy. The train they hijacked to go towards the portal, remember, was a solar sail freight train. Right, right. Very, very cool looking. In the meantime, what happened next? Oh, yeah, there's the bubble, right? The energy bubble?
1: Yeah, so a bubble gets launched. Um, was it launched
0: long... or was it just environmental?
1: I feel like it was launched back at them with the specific impetus
0: to slow them down that's possible i don't remember i seem to remember they were bubbling up and one of them sort of caught on the beam is it remember that's is the lights the light simulations riding a beam of light which is essentially a train yeah, track
1: yeah uh-uh. well anything anyways this this beam or this bubble flies back down the beam and impacts with the front of the solar sail ship
0: and flynn, blocks it yeah
1: yeah flynn has to go and redirect the beam of light to allow the solar sail ship to move to a different beam of light. So that little ball goes flying back behind them and and kills the pursuing um, recognizers.
0: So diverting the energy bubble, whatever it is, almost kills Flynn. And he sort of draws a little bit of his uh, energy back from Tron. And they say, well, I'm not sure why he's not dead. And I have no idea. Because I don't (laughs) think they quite realize yet that he's a user. I think he reveals that later. No, they haven't figured that out at this point in time. that's right, because he tells him, it's, it's when he decides he's going to jump into the energy beam that feeds or comes from MCP. Yes. Right? He says, but I'm a user, I can do this. In the meantime, we have that cool scene where the uh, uh, the solar sail is racing through the canyons and so is the carrier. When you look at the animation, like, Tron is sort of walking along the deck of the solar sail, and he looks up to his left and the uh, carrier fills his view. Look at that. Like, it's yeah. how did you not see that coming dude yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's geometry it's they're sure. hiding behind stuff sure let's go with that well it's sort of like they're, they're, i forget what uh horror movie parody it was where guy's standing alone in an empty open field and he looks behind him and suddenly there's like the axe murderer like how did he get up there but of course that's the, that's the joke right yeah so the carrier strikes the the solar sail everyone is captured and then we get to go into the fl- or at least. It's Tr- Tron that doesn't get captured because that's how okay. he takes... Yeah, Yuri and Flynn get captured and they get tortured. Tron sneaks off and they leave... They leave, uh, Sar- uh, Sark leaves Yuri-, Yuri, whatever. Sark leaves Yuri and Flynn back on the carrier, which for some reason they never explain. They set to de-resolute, to delete it. Uh, yeah,
1: I think the only thing that they mention about that is, oh, we're going to get off of here and when I get off, it's going to... Um- uh, D resolution itself.
0: Yeah. You know, this is the, I've tied you to a table, Mr. Bond, and the laser is slowly creeping up. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's that sort of plot device. Uh, Absolutely. The, yeah. So they, they sort of head off, uh, Sark heads off with the other portal guardians who at some point he's rounded up, including Dumont yeah. and sort of hooks them into the, the MCP, which the easiest way to describe it is that the MCP and its chamber looks like the inside of the Death Star for Return of the Jedi, yeah. like the the generator that they blow up. Uh, in the meantime, Tron sort of appears outside of the MCP's complex and he calls out Sark and there's a cool identity disc battle and Tron breaks open Sark's head like a piñata. Yeah. Splits it right open mm-hmm. and out comes the candy. Nerds. This stuff. Nerds, yeah. Nerds and, and mints and all that shit. And the MCP, who is very badly animated, like to the point where they should have almost have gone and hand-drawn animated something over it, because he looks awful. He gives Sark all of his powers. Sark, all my functions are now yours. Take them. Which means Sark turns into a kaiju. And
3: okay.
1: Tr- yeah, Tron is then stuck inside with, uh, with kaiju sark Sark. and trying to throw his identity disc into the uh into the middle of the mcp yeah trying to actually destroy
0: it yeah but at one point he throws the disc at sark and sark blocks it with his hand and it sort of spins off because yeah he's big and powerful and a you know he's godzilla without the tail and those really weird cardboard ears of his uh (laughs) in the meantime get
1: over those ears
0: no i really can't because they because they look like freaking cardboard man (laughs) In the meantime, the ship de de-res is enough that Yori and Flynn are able to escape their prison, go to the controls. Of course, they can't do anything. And Flynn sort of looks as they pass over the M- the center of the MCP complex. And he says, I get it. I'm going to jump. I'm going to disrupt the MCP and Tron can take a shot. And Yori says, you'll be killed. And says, no, no, I'm a user. And then he throws himself in the portal. It freaks out the MCP. And... Tron is able to throw his disc past the shields that are protecting the MCP and take out the MCP, who we learn in an interesting piece of symbolism that I wish they had explained. The MCP turns out to be nothing more than a portal guardian with an old timey Typewriter. typewriter. Yeah, an old timey typewriter, not even electric typewriter, the ones with the old lever you had to hit. And I guess the idea is he's the oldest input output port in ENCOM. But wouldn't it have made more sense to have him sitting in front of a chessboard, considering how many times they talked about how he just started as a chess program?
1: Yeah, that would. I think that that would have made a lot more sense. I
0: guess the symbology is a little bit skewed. But... In the meantime, we go back to the real world. We get that super convincing piece of evidence, which is that Edward <laughs> Dillinger stole it. As we discussed before, it's not so much that the, what we're seeing on the screen is the evidence. It's the header for the file or it's information from the file. And it's, I don't know, it's clearly.
2: Yeah, he, he, he unburied the file.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then the next thing we see is Alan and Laurie waiting on the roof of the Encon building. And someone says, here comes the boss and the helicopter lands. And in this time, of course, instead of being Dillinger, it's Flynn. Now we learn in Legacy that, of course, Flynn eventually takes control of the company, gets married And in the space of seven years, produces like a 12 year old boy, which is very cool. Um, (laughs) Well, if you saw Legacy, how old is that kid, Sam? He's got to be 10, 11,
1: right? He's seven at the time that. Because in theory, he should be seven. He should have been born in 82 because Flynn leaves in 89. Yeah. So he should be seven there. He looks way older
0: than seven to me in Legacy.
1: And then they jump forward to.
0: Oh yeah, then he's an adult. It's that's yeah unreal, but but it's like so much else with Legacy, like the fact that it suddenly takes place in Vancouver despite the fact that clearly you can see it takes place in Los Angeles. So yeah, so that's sort of the film. So I guess before we beat the shit out of Legacy by way of comparison, <laughs> what do you guys think of Tron? So Adam, this is your first time seeing it, right? Yeah, it was. So what did you think about it?
1: Um, like this makes for a great popcorn movie. Mm-hmm. Don't sit down and think about it too much. I'm um, it's for what it was at the time, it was absolutely groundbreaking and stunning and should absolutely be mandatory viewing for anybody who wants to uh, experience some of the big highlights of cinematic history. Right. I, I definitely think that this is you know, on that list, but to sit down and watch it today and try and analyze the plots, analyze the characters, uh, even hell, we're having a hard time analyzing symbology here. Yeah. There's there's a lot that's left to be desired if you're looking for a film
0: hmm You know, I find it a very soulless film. There's only one genuine human scene in the film, and that's when Flynn comforts Ram as he's dying. Mm-hmm. And Ram has the revelation that Flynn is a user. I find this is a very inhuman film, which I think is part of the deal. Like, the last scene in this movie, during the, just before the credits, is L.A. at night and how much it looks like a, a circuit board. And maybe that's the warning. Careful, we're all going to be like computers. Oh, my, were they predicting the future? But... <laughs> I, when I look at it, I think this is a relic of its time. But I think the special effects, such as they are, because they're so out of left field, I think they hold up. It's it's sort of like animation. Animation is timeless because it's not meant to look realistic, you know. Whereas Young Flynn, the face covering in mm-hmm. Legacy, holy shit, does that not hold up? That's some uncanny valley stuff there.
1: Yeah, no, and I get what you mean. Like, there's I think there's a lot to be said for the visuals being jarring and that treating the audience to the same experience that Flynn has when he first enters uh, the grid. I just, there, there's a level to which I was in discomfort with watching this, this movie. Um, Just, I, I, I wound up getting a small headache from the, the grid visuals. Really? Yes.
0: Because it's got like a neon quality to it, or
1: I I think that that's a part of it. Um, that's
0: interesting.
1: I mean, it's it's very very high contrast, mm-hmm. um, oh, and yeah. maybe that's just something that I have to deal with. And I mean, that said, I really don't care for that aesthetic yeah. to begin with. The whole um, vaporwave look and feel to it, which I I kind of draw a distinction between the visuals in Tron and Tron Legacy. Tron feels more vaporwave. Legacy feels more cyberpunk.
0: I could go with that. I mean, it's 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 a different aesthetic, but uh, it's 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 yeah. a
1: very different aesthetic. Yeah. Like you don't have. But it's the, what they could do. Could you imagine
0: yeah. them attempting Legacy in 1982? It, oh, it absolutely. Just, yeah.
1: But that's you know, just no. the thing. Is yeah. like th- they were limited by their technology. This movie yeah.
0: was ahead of its time by a long stretch. So, Heather, what do you think of Tron? And then we'll take you into you trashing Tron Legacy because I know you love that movie. <laughs> so what? So Heather, what do you think of Tron?
2: I i love this movie um i was just i was just the right age when it came out i was interested in computers at the time because i'm totally not now
3: uh, <laughs> no nerds here uh,
2: yeah so like the idea of being able to go in and the light cycle and the identity disc battles and i just lived that i i was willing and i'm still willing to forgive the complete absence of a followable plot mm-hmm. yeah because it's like for me it's not about growth or plot or anything i just want to I just like this one for the visuals and the idea that you can go into a computer and play the game.
0: Now, I know you adore Legacy, so why don't you tell us why it's your favorite film ever?
2: Ever? Ever. Uh, we saw I was excited for months. We saw it opening week and it sucked.
0: Why <laughs> did it suck? Because I totally disagree with you, but why did it suck?
2: I was looking for more Tron. I was looking for more like
0: like the oh character my God. Of Tron.
3: Or oh, no, just, the feel, the, the, just the,
2: the feel of the movie. Like this, this, this is what they did when I was ten, and they were inventing the technology.
3: Mm.
2: I imagine what they can do now.
3: Yeah,
2: they did nothing. They did the creepy face crap. Yeah, and <laughs> they 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 slapped it on a generic sci-fi plot. They phoned it in. They turned Flynn into the dude. <laughs> like it just it didn't it didn't connect. It didn't resonate. Okay. Uh, I, could have, I could have wasted my money and time on, on a less generic sci-fi movie.
0: Okay. And it's funny because they have the same damn plot. And in fact, many of the same beats. The initial caper and then arriving in the world and being arrested and having to escape and having to find allies and then back and forth with the antagonists and then eventually ending up taking out the big boss at the end, the MCP, or in this case, Clue, and escaping back into the real world. The difference is this time he brings back Cora with him. Yeah. But it's the same it's the same more or less plot. I think they just tried to rehash it.
2: But there was there was enough in the first one to for me at least to forgive all that.
0: I guess maybe I I get the feeling that your your reaction to Legacy was that it didn't live up to 10-year-old Heather, which is totally legitimate.
2: Yeah, and like I, I was I was I don't know if you got it, but I was saying before I cut out again that I would have rather compare Tron to um, to remember the old cartoon?
3: Reboot. Uh,
2: yep. Oh, yeah. With the little scuzzy pet instead of bit. And, yeah. and uh, I would have had a lot better time comparing those two than these two. Because okay. Legacy isn't even a good tribute to it.
0: Up until four days ago, I would absolutely have agreed with you. From the moment I saw Legacy up until, I mean, when that movie came out 10 years ago, up until Four days ago, I would have said Tron is the superior film and Legacy is an embarrassing shadow thereof. But on Saturday, the day before we recorded the first half of this podcast, I watched them both (laughs) and I fell in love with Legacy and the fact that it was a much more human film. And I think that was on purpose because I think sort of if there's a thematic warning in Tron, it's be careful that you don't become computerized that you don't give up your humanity, that you don't hand yourself over to the computer. I mean, they say it several times that one day the people will stop thinking and the computers will start. And won't that be a day? Whereas I think... In Legacy, it's the opposite. It's that, you know, Flynn, we can see in, in footage that he's sort of given himself over to the grid and the philosophy of it, that creepy-ass speech he gives,
3: you know, our future is in there.
0: It's a creepy speech. And then he sort of disappears into the computer. So no shit clue is a megalomaniac. He is Flynn at that time. And it's, it's sort of Sam's job to go in there as a human, a feeling human, and extract Flynn from that over-computerization. And he sort of does it if by nothing else than shaking him out of his dude-isms. And even though he can't bring him back, he brings Korra back. He he takes something that is literally computerized. Korra is not a real human, and he makes her human, which I'm still not sure how that happened, but okay.
2: I was honestly bored for yeah. Legacy.
0: And that's a fair criticism. It's not a super exciting film, but maybe that's why I love it so much, because I don't like exciting films. Because I'm me, <laughs> so I'm the guy who wants to do uh, Once Upon a Time in America, the four-hour version and the three-hour theatrical. But pretty sure I'm on my own for that one. Yeah, so. that's a you. That's a you <laughs> thing. I, I,
1: I will a, find I someone who'll
0: do that, that with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will. I will find someone who will do that with me. So, which one do you prefer? Last word, Adam. Which do you prefer? Legacy Heather. by a narrow margin. Heather, which you? Prefer? By a lot. Okay, Legacy by a lot for me. Thanks, guys, for jumping back in. I appreciate this. End of line.